Scripture this morning comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6. We will read verses 9 through 13. And it reads, This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. You may be seated. Thank you, Daniel, for our reading today. And thank you, Brandon, for leading us in those beautiful songs this morning and for your participation in that. We're very happy to have everyone with us. I'm very happy to be with you. And, um, a beautiful winter morning, and we're very grateful for the opportunity that brings us together, and that is the worship of God and the study of His wonderful Word, and we're happy for everyone that is with us today. Thank you for that prayer, and we are mindful of the fact that, as was mentioned in the prayer, these things don't just happen. Sometimes we do take them for granted, but it's because so many people came together to take care of this and think about that and plan ahead of time on these particular matters, and we're very grateful for all of the men uh, who have come together to lead us in our worship today. I look forward to being with you tonight at 6 o'clock, and I want to talk about another important subject from God's Word, the providence of God. I'll do that from the standpoint of Joseph. Uh, Last Sunday, we were talking about the state of the church which was our uh, effort to explain the work and how it's going, how well it's going. And we're very grateful for the good report that these men have given to us and for your very kind support of the work of the congregation. Sunday before that, we talked about sin of pride. And I'd like to pick up with that again and maybe look at some of those issues that we may take for granted, but we need to give some serious reflection and thought to. And the one that I want to talk about today is the problem that we face with temptation. You know, there's a difference between temptation and guilt. And I suppose when studying temptation, the very next step is to study about guilt. And so we'll try to do that, Lord willing, next Sunday. We'll look at temptation today. And then we'll understand more about how to handle guilt next time that we come together. Preacher's uh, wife went shopping. She saw this beautiful dress, and she tried it on, and she brought it home. She said, dear, this dress cost over $400. And he said, how could you buy a dress that costs $400? She said, well, when I tried it on, the devil got into my heart, and he started telling me, you look so good in that dress. I just need to buy it and bring it home. And the preacher said, well, why didn't you tell him, get thee behind me, Satan? She said, I did. And he said, it looked good back there, too. (laughs) And so I just had to bring this dress home. That's the way temptation is sometimes, isn't it? Is there anyone here in this audience that would actually think that they've never been tempted? Let's say even after you become a Christian, or maybe just as soon as you became a Christian, Could you say that you've never been tempted to do sin, to do evil, and to commit sin? 
There's not a person among us who would say that. Every one of us have faced the temptation to sin, a solicitation to do evil. Every one of us know what we're talking about. Uh, We understand what temptation is, a desire to do that which is wrong. But with the matter of temptation, there's good news and there's bad news. The good news is that there's help in this matter of temptation, that we're not all left on our own. The bad news is, as long as we live in this life, we're going to face the problem of temptation. So we're never going to really be able to conquer it. It's always going to rear its ugly head, and it's going to face us from one time to another. Sometimes it'll be stronger in its efforts and its solicitation and its encouragement, and sometimes it'll be less, but it'll be there. The temptation. In our text today in Matthew 6 and 13... In this model prayer, a prayer which Jesus is saying, you ought to incorporate these elements into your prayer. One of those elements, he says, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Jesus understands this matter of temptation. Pray that God helps me overcome the problem of temptation. Pray that I'm not led into temptation. Pray that I have the spiritual fortitude and strength to overcome the temptation. Is there help here in the matter of temptation? The fact is, yes, there is. What I want to do is look at some, I think, very important Bible passages regarding the matter of temptation. And one that naturally comes to mind is 1 Corinthians chapter 10, as he gives this matter to us, warning them about the problem of idolatry. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, he was using the Old Testament children of Israel as an illustration, an example of some of the temptations that they faced, and he's saying, now, here's an obvious conclusion for us. Now, these things happen to them as an example, but they were written down for our instruction on whom the end of the ages has come. And now I'm in verse 12. Therefore, let everyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. Don't be overconfident. We never get to the point of such spiritual level and maturity that we can say with certainty, I've got this matter of temptation and sin beat. I don't have to worry about it now because I'm such a spiritually minded person. He who thinketh he standeth, take heed lest he fall. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. But God is faithful and will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation. It will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. I would consider that a classic text on the matter of temptation, one that you want to mark in your Bible. It comes to us in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. I started in verse 12, verse 11, and read on down through verse 13. And it tells us that temptation is a common thing to everybody. And even though you may be faced with temptation... It's not something that you're the only one to face it because everybody faces this matter of temptation. And I need God's help in the matter. And God is telling me I'm not going to allow this to overwhelm you. I'm not going to give you more or allow you to expose you to more than what you can bear. But there's a way of escape out of the temptation. God never tempts us to do what is evil. He says, I'm going to give you help in the matter. 
And that's one of the insightful passages that we have from the pages of the Bible, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, that helps me understand temptation. If I didn't have that, I wouldn't understand this matter. I probably would be very overconfident. I'd probably be a kind of person who thought, well, I've got temptation beat. I don't have to be concerned about this. But when I look from the pages of God's Word about what the matter really is like, he says, I'll be there to help you. First Timothy chapter 6 is a very interesting passage, and the unique part about that particular verse, which makes it interesting and helpful and very insightful for us, is this matter of falling into temptation. And when I read First Timothy chapter 6, you might notice that or, or watch for that particular matter. Uh, he tells us that we must be very careful and be on our guard and, and not have this inordinate desire for more and more. And by that, he tells us by verse 6, But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing, with these we will be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires, that plunge people into ruin and destruction. That fall into and plunge, I think, are important words to focus on in First Timothy chapter 6 and verse 9 because he says we can get into deeper and deeper levels of temptation. And he's referencing the matter of the desire to have more and more, and he says you must be careful with that because with this inordinate desire for just having more and more and more, we can fall into temptation get down into deeper levels of temptation, where temptation's even stronger and stronger, and actually use the word like a flood or plunge, plunge us into temptation. I'd never know that if I didn't have the Word of God. I, I probably, if left unstudied and, and on my own, would never think about the dangers of temptation and how it can come upon me. But this particular text tells me very clearly Matthew chapter 26 is an interesting reference that Jesus makes to the matter of temptation. And in Matthew 26, he's praying in the garden. And it's a very touching scene as he goes and leaves his disciples there at the entrance and goes further into the garden. And as he prays, he comes back and he finds the disciples asleep. He says in verse 40, And he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, So could you not watch with me one hour? Verse 41, watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Now the unique point of that passage is that we are very willing, we are very studious in the matter. I'm going to resist the temptation. I'm going to resist it. I'm going to say no to every temptation. The spirit is willing, he says, but the flesh is weak. Where so many times we have the set goal for ourselves, now I'm not going to do that, and turn right around and do it again. We were tempted. And because of that we yielded. And we committed sin. He says pray. Pray that you not be tempted. An interesting Bible passage, which I think is somewhat of a classic text on this subject of temptation, would have to be Galatians chapter 6, verse 1. And in there, there's a unique element of insight that God gives us we don't have somewhere else. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, 
you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. In other words, this is not the time for a harsh, coarse type of attitude. But with gentleness and kindness, restore the individual and try to bring them back. Now, the transgression that he has here, and I think the word caught in any transgression, conveys the idea that a slip has been made. And it's very clear that that can happen to anyone. A slip has been made and they're mistaken, they're guilty of sin, they've committed transgression. We need to bring them back. But do it with a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourselves, lest you too be tempted. In other words, when I'm trying to help this other individual with the problem of them being caught in a slip, a sin, a mistake which they have made, I need with kindness and gentleness try to bring them back and restore them because in my mind I'm thinking that could be me because I could be tempted and I could be falling away just like this individual is falling away and I would want someone to help me be restored to come along with love and kindness in their heart and take the time to help me help me see the right way Help me see the error of my way so that I can make the right kind of decisions and do the right thing. In 1 Thessalonians, we have a passage in chapter 3 and verse 5 that I think is unique. It gives us unique insight into the study of this particular matter of temptation. And he tells us in, in this, as this book is devoted to the subject of the second coming of Christ and the end of time, of which no one really knows when that will be. And he gets down to this particular matter in First Thessalonians 3 and 5, and he says, For this reason, when I could not bear it no longer, I sent to learn about your faith, for fear that somehow the tempter had tempted you, and our labor would be in vain. He was concerned about the church at Thessalonica, and and he had worked there, and it was a trouble spot, and there was a lot of difficulty involved in establishing the congregation because of the opposition which Satan had placed before them. But yet they had overcome that, and a congregation was established that was faithful in the sight of God, and he's saying, I'm concerned. I'm concerned about the congregation there because I know what the tempter is going to try to do. He's going to try to tempt you. He's going to try to pull you away so that you're no longer faithful to God and pleasing in the sight of God, and therefore special effort and need had to be given for them. It's an insightful passage. It tells me some unique things about the subject of temptation. I'd have to go to Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14 through 18. And there in this wonderful book of Hebrews, the apostle uh, Paul, I, seem, I assume that he is the writer of the book of Hebrews. I don't know if anyone can prove that with any degree of certainty. But at any rate, this inspired writer is writing Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 through 18. And he tells us something about the wonderful nature of Christ and the fact that Christ has died for me and and that Christ has made it possible for me to receive forgiveness of sin. And he tells me in Hebrews 2.14, Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. 
It's one of our greatest fears, you know, dying. But we don't have to be afraid of that. For surely it is not angels that he helps, but he helps the offspring of Abraham. Christ, you see, came to help us. Therefore, he made to be... He had to be made like his brothers in every respect so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who were being tempted. In other words, there's divine help out there for me in this matter of temptation. Because Jesus, my elder brother, and he, he likens Christ that way. He, he came to this earth and took upon himself the, the body of a human being and, and was made in the likeness of men, Philippians chapter 2, and, and suffered and died and was raised from the dead. And, and he went through all of the aspects of life, even this matter of temptation, so that he really knows what it's about. And he's there to help us. And it's a unique passage found in the Bible about Christ and his role to help me, an individual who's going to have to face this matter of temptation every single day that I live. One important point you need to understand, I need to understand, it's not a sin to be tempted. Everybody's tempted from time to time, but it's not a sin to be tempted. We will face temptations along the way. And I, I thought of Hebrews chapter 4. I thought, where is the passage that really helps us understand what's going on in the heart and the mind of the individual? And I found these two, and I hope that you'll mark them in your Bible. Hebrews 4, 14 through 16. You know, he's writing in chapter 2 about this great high priest. He makes mention of that again in Hebrews chapter 4, 14. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. When he talks about that high priesthood, your minds automatically think back to Old Testament priests, high priests that would go into the sanctuary of the tabernacle, and there they would offer sacrifice for themselves and then offer sacrifice for the people. This high priest, Jesus Christ the righteous, has offered himself as a sacrifice for the people. He didn't have to offer sacrifice for himself he offered himself. He is the sacrifice. He made forgiveness of sin possible for everyone. We have this high priest. His point, though, is, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Do you notice that in verse 15? He's been tempted in all points like as we are, yet without sin. You see, it's not a sin to be tempted. Jesus was tempted. Gospel record makes it very clear that Jesus faced severe temptation. But yet he did so successfully. And he didn't yield to the temptation therefore was not guilty of sin, and thank God for that. Because if Jesus had been guilty of sin, this world would be a much different place than what it is today. Now we have grace and mercy because of what Jesus was able to do. Another passage that helps me understand this matter of temptation is in James chapter 1. And I'd like to go to James 1 
13 through 15, and analyze that just for a little bit because it's in that passage that we see what's really working on the inside, causing us to face the temptation and to yield to it, resulting in sin. So the James 1 passage is a clear passage that tells us of the, and I hate to use this word, the metaphysical workings of sin and, and temptation, but I guess the way to say it is the spiritual working of sin on the inside and what's happening to us and what we go through. So now let's go to that. Let's go to James 1. And I'm looking at verse 13, and I want to read a verse or two, and let's see how this particular passage helps us understand the subject at hand. Let no one say when he is tempted, I'm being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. That's a good beginning point, isn't it? For us to realize that God does not tempt anyone to do evil. And if the person comes along and says, well, it's God that made me do that, or it's God that tempted me to do this wrong thing, then it's certainly not the case. He's just wrong as he can be because God does not solicit anyone to do evil. God will test our lives. We learn that in Hebrews chapter 12. God will discipline us and test our lives. But that test is to make us a better person. That test is to make us a better Christian and to be more like Christ. But the temptation, the solicitation to do evil, that which is wrong, never comes from God. And then to help us understand that, he talks about it from the standpoint of the human gestation. Then desire, but each person, verse 14, is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. You see, it starts with an inner thinking and a desire on my part for something or do something I should not have or I should not do. That's where it starts, right there. It begins the temptation. And in my heart, in my mind, desire begins to be created. But it doesn't stop there. It begins to grow and it begins to develop. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin. As that desire continues to grow in my heart and my mind, I begin to act on that. When I actually act on that temptation, sin takes place. You see, it's not a sin to be tempted, but when I allow that temptation to work in my heart and in my mind and to grow and to develop, and I act on that, then I am guilty of sin. And what does sin do? Sin brings about death, spiritual death, separation from God, not only in this life, but eternally in the life to come. But go on with the passage for a brief moment. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. In other words, this is what God does for me. Every good gift comes from above. Every good gift comes from God. Don't ever get the idea that God is tempting me to do the wrong thing because he's not. Because every good gift comes from above, comes from God. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variableness or variation or shadow due to change. He doesn't change on that. He's always helping. He's always encouraging. He's always there to help me. 
No, I can't blame God. Sometimes somebody said, well, the devil made me do it. And that's only a half-truth. The devil tempted me. And then I listened to him whispering in my ear when he said, go ahead. And I did. And I became guilty of sin. When that thought and that desire begins to develop into my heart and in my mind, that's where the battle begins. And the devil's whispering in my ear, go ahead with it. Go ahead. Go ahead. I've got to have the spiritual strength and fortitude to say no to the devil and resist him. The temptation itself is not a sin. It's when it grows and develops. And I listen to his whisper in my ear, go ahead. And I do that. I'm guilty of sin. And I'll tell you what. If you leave it at that, it's spiritual suicide. Because sin brings about death. But with every temptation, there's an opportunity to trust God. You see, there is a good side to this particular matter. I cannot say, even though I'm a Christian, I've never been tempted. And I cannot say, even though I'm a Christian, I've never yielded to temptation. I can't say that. I'd have to be honest and say, yes, I've been tempted, and yes, I've yielded, and yes, I'm guilty of sin. And I don't believe there's anybody here today who could say, I've never yielded to sin. Here I am. I'm the paragon of righteousness for everybody to look at, and I've never committed a sin. There's nobody here in this auditorium can say that. I can't say it. But I can say this, that with every temptation is an opportunity to grow in trust with God. In the book of Romans, the Apostle Paul gives us this particular passage, and it's a very helpful one. It's in chapter 4, and it talks about this great discussion of uh, justification by faith, which is a great discussion uh, from the pages of the Bible that we are justified people because of obedient faith. God looks upon us as being forgiven. And uh, I, I'm a guilty person, I'm a sinner, but God doesn't see me as a sinner. He sees me as being justified, all by the grace of God and the blood of Christ and my obedient faith. What a wonderful concept that is coming in the pages of the New Testament. But sometimes, even though we are children of God, like that Galatians 6, 1 passage taught me, I'll make a mistake. And I'll be involved in transgression. And there he tells me, Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven, verse 7, and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count his sin. Even though I have committed a sin, I don't have to be a failure here. I do not, allow, I do not have to allow that sin to dominate my life and to continue to be the... Uh, epicenter of my life. Was I guilty of sin? Yes. But I don't have to be a failure. I can get the sin out of my life. I can trust God to such a point and to such a degree that I turn to Him and follow His wonderful way for my life 
and get the sin out of my life and receive strength to resist the temptation. It's a wonderful passage in Psalm 50, and I thought I would include that in our discussion today. And you may never have read the book of Psalms. You may never have read Psalm 50 and 15, but there's a wonderful verse there that helps me. And call upon me in the day of trouble, God said, and I will deliver you, and you shall glorify me. What these Bible passages are saying is, yes, you're going to be tempted. Yes, there are going to be times when you yield to the temptation and you're guilty of sin. But you don't have to stay there. You don't have to be a failure. You can call upon the Lord and grow in your trust and your confidence in Him. Grow. Be more faithful as God wants you to be. And next time, resist the temptation. Ask God to help you. He says, call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you and you shall glorify me. A fellow said a little prayer one time. He said, Lord, I have not gossiped about anyone today. I have not used any bad language today. I have not lost my temper today. And I'm just about ready to get out of bed now. And I'm going to need all the help that I can get. Psalm 50:15 has said, Ask the Lord for help. Learn to trust the Lord. With every temptation, it's an opportunity to grow closer and closer to God. Somebody asked, said, I don't know what to say to God. I don't know what, what to explain to him. One occasion, Jesus was walking on the way, and a blind man on the side of the road, all he could shout out was, Lord Jesus, have mercy on me. Help me. Maybe that's all you can say. Maybe that's all you can think of saying. Lord, help me. Help me overcome the temptation. Grow in trusting God and in your confidence in God. In your opportunity of temptation, turn to Him out of obedient faith. Say, Lord, help me. I need help here. Go to the Word of God and examine it. Learn what God will give you, the strength that God will give you to overcome the temptation. An interesting passage in 2 Timothy chapter 2. I've thought a lot about. I'll read how it was written to Timothy, and then I'll put my own modern language to it to help me remember it. 2 Timothy 2.15, Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, Rightly handling the word of truth, Paul is telling Timothy, here's your opportunity now to study the word of God, handle it properly, put all the pieces together into a cogent, rational whole, understand the word of God, and there use that strength that comes from the word of God to overcome the temptation. Then he says in verse 22 of this particular passage, so flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. He's telling the young preacher Timothy, flee the youthful lusts. Do you know what the word flee means? It means run like crazy. If you're asking for what to do here and how to trust God, run like crazy when temptation begins to rear its ugly head in your heart and in your mind. And you go back to the Word of God. 
and learn to trust in God and trust in God's Word and fill your heart and fill your mind with the truth of the Word of God so that you can resist the temptation and say no to it. Run like crazy. You know, why would you run towards something that's going to hurt you and harm you? Run away from it. Flee youthful lust. Second Timothy chapter 2 and verse 22. Run like crazy from it. Don't run towards something that will hurt you and ruin you. Run away from that. Run toward that which will help you and be a benefit to you. So now you're at a party. All your friends are there. And they're drinking things that should not be drunk. And they're using things that should not be used. What are you going to do? You're going to run like crazy. You're going to get away from it. Don't run towards something that will hurt you. Trust in the Lord. And grow in your trust. And with every opportunity... Come closer to God, and it'll help you overcome the temptation. You're on your laptop, and you're looking at something you shouldn't be looking at. You're on your television set, and something comes on you shouldn't be watching. What are you going to do? You're going to run like crazy. You're going to cut it off. If you have to take your laptop and shut it down, you have to unplug it, you have to do whatever you have to do, you run like crazy. And don't start looking, don't start watching, don't start imbibing into that which will be a temptation which will cause you to sin. What you've got to do is learn to trust more in God. Put your faith and confidence in Him. And with every temptation, you're looking for that as an opportunity to grow closer to God so that you can resist the temptation. And you run like crazy from it. You don't play around with it. You leave it and let it go. Guy brought a dozen donuts into the office one day and said, look what I brought to work. And somebody said, well, I thought you were, um, I thought you were on a diet trying to lose weight. He said, well, I am. He said, well, why would you bring a dozen donuts to work? He said, well, I just prayed to the Lord. Lord, if you want me to have a donut today... Let there be a vacant parking spot at the donut shop. And I drove around that thing five times, and lo and behold, one of them opened up. Well, don't play around with it. Flee. Run. Don't participate. Make up your mind right here and right now. That's the way it's going to be when I have to face sin and temptation. Get up in the morning and pray. Lord, help me today with the problem of temptation. I know it's going to come my way. Look up one of these verses we studied today and read it. Look up at 1 Corinthians 10, 9 and 10. No temptation has befallen you but that which is common to man but God's going to give you an avenue of escape if you'll search for it you're reading the word of God and you're praying and you in turn are doing what Paul said in the passage you're pursuing righteousness faith, love and peace 
Maybe it's at the end of the day. And you've worked hard and there's a satisfying feeling about that where you say, well, I've worked hard and I'm satisfied with the work that I've accomplished today. And you open up that grand old book and you're studying about great people of faith. And you read about Noah, such a good man, but yet involved in drunkenness after the flood. Abraham, a great man of faith, an example of faith, yet lied about his wife being his sister. David, one of the greatest of all kings of Israel, but yet guilty of adultery with Bathsheba. The apostle Paul, one of the greatest preachers second only to Christ, but yet persecuted the church of the living God along the way. One of the great men of all the Bible, Moses, the meekest of men on the face of the earth, but yet he murdered the Egyptian. People face problems and temptations, but you can overcome them. And I read that from the pages of the Bible, and they overcame temptation and sin. And I can overcome temptation and sin. And when you do that, you are pursuing righteousness, faith, love, and peace. 2 Timothy 2 and 22. So flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace. Assemble with the saints. You need to be here. Because you're fighting temptation. You need to be here because every time we are here, this great book is opened up and we're studying it. And we're doing our best to learn it and we're trying to apply it the very best way that we can. And when you open up this great book, the Bible, it lends dignity to every service and every Bible class. We're not just studying a book of history, we're studying God's Word here. And you need to be here. Your family needs to be here. Your sons and your daughters, they need to be right here when we're studying the Word of God. Because we've got a battle with temptation and we're trying to overcome it. And I want my family here. I want to be here. And I'm not going to let the joys of this life and the pleasures of this life, even though they in and of themselves may be okay, to hinder me in what I need the most, and that's the strength and the camaraderie and the uplifting that I receive when I worship with the children of God. I need that. I need that. Sometimes... I can help somebody else. Somebody may be in the sick room. Somebody may be in the hospital. Somebody may be sick at home. I can help them in some way. When I live that kind of life, I am pursuing righteousness, faith, love, and peace. And it's going to help me overcome temptation. You know what it might take? It might take me confessing my faults before God first and to you second. It may mean I have to confess to the Lord, I am guilty of sin, please forgive me. And that may mean I have to go to you and say, I have treated you wrongly, I've done the wrong thing, said the wrong thing, please forgive me, I need to make this right to you. I'm resisting temptation, you see, when I do that. And I'm pursuing righteousness, faith, love, 
and peace. The bad news is we're never going to outlive this. The good news is help is available for me to resist sin and its temptation. If you're guilty of sin and temptation, I urge you to obey the gospel of Christ today, to repent of sin, Luke 13, 3. Confess your faith in Jesus Christ, to be baptized into Christ for the remission of those sins. It's hard for me not to talk about guilt right now, because I'd like to, not because I like the subject so much, but because I know I need it. I need what the Bible says about guilt, and I'll have to talk about that next time. Don't live with the guilt. Fix it God's way by obeying God's gospel and repenting of the sin that tempted you and you fell victim to it. Won't you come? While together we stand and while we sing.